Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another edition of Supernatural Station. I'm your host, Roman Daniels, and joined with me is my brother, Jaron Daniels. You know what that reminded me of? The way you were doing that is uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Kind of sounds like him, the host. I don't know why. I'd have to have much more of a creepy voice. On this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. There you go. He was a legend. We have a good one for you guys today. It's going to be awesome. We got some, I mean, it's the weekend, it's Saturday. I always get a little bit more cryptid and creepy thoughts. I don't know why, but weekend, it just opens up your mind to just life and being away from the stresses of work and everything else, I start thinking about, I don't know, the unknown, the crazy. And um, this episode is going to have a lot of validity to it that I think is pretty cool because, you know, you hear cryptids and stuff and, I don't know, people are crazy, right? There could be crazy people talking about it. But on this one, it's going to have some valid, I feel, witnesses that will help hopefully give some credibility and if not you know you still don't have to believe but thank you for being here and right yeah no this is uh like you know when you you hear a lot of these stories about cryptids or paranormal type things supernatural type things and a lot of times i think what bridges the gap with the skeptics is if it comes from like a, a source that could be a lot more credible like a police officer like a military 
personnel, um, like a doctor, you know, somebody who's has education and, and has had to, you know, move up in the ranks and things like that. And so I, for some reason, I think it just really helps to bridge some of the gaps between like believers and skeptics. And so I tend to f- like these stories a lot because, because of that reason. They're not just the boy who cried wolf. It's more the, man, this is going to challenge me so much right now. And there's a chance that I could lose my position at yeah. work. It really affects you in a hard, hard stance if you take that, you know? Right. And, you know, most of these people, they'll say it after they've retired and things, which is fine because what's the harm in that, right? Once you're retired, you've made your money. I can I commend them for it because people are going to think you're crazy no matter what you do sometimes. And I think if you know what you saw, go through your job, get it out of the way and tell the real people close to you. Yeah. But then, hey, let's get it out once you're out in the, out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. There's no shame in like not telling the story during the time that it happens. You know, it's... If it, if it actually does get told eventually, that's always a good thing, you know, and, and yeah, like I said, no shame in, in waiting until after, like, you know, you're not subject to losing your job or losing rank or any of that kind of stuff. So that's what we're talking about today is we're talking about some cryptid stories or some weird, creepy encounters, creatures, weird stuff that some of the military uh, in First the past time. have encountered. Yeah, so wartime cryptids, wartime, you know, demonic entities or other weird creatures that have been seen during wartime um, and other random stories. And actually, my brother... He hasn't really told me what he's going to really go through. So this is kind of one of those episodes where we're kind of coming into it blindly. Yeah, raw reactions and things like that. Can you imagine the heat of, hey, I'm doing war right now. The war mindset is I'm against the other person. And what sucks about war, and and thank you for your service, all the military out there. Yes, thank you for your service. Yeah, first and foremost thing we want to say right here is, I can't believe the stuff you guys do for us, you know, for a country and stuff and the things that you have to go through. And we just really appreciate it. I know that it doesn't go unchecked um, in your own mind. You got a lot of stuff you deal with afterwards. And we just want to thank you for that. Definitely get help if you need it. You know, when you go through those things, don't hide it. Because when you pent, you know, you, you pent up, it gets way worse for people, right? And so the civilians that see what you go through really do appreciate you and want you want the best for you. But what's crazy, right? You're over here fighting a war and you're going after somebody that's just like you on the other side just for various reasons because now you have to fight a war and you probably don't even hate that person right but you have to fight somebody and then on top of that now there's these other things showing up that's in the forest that nobody knows what the heck that's all about so can you imagine the fear first you're focused on one thing now you're seeing something over in the corner that's different that nobody's even seen before yeah you know i think if it it was me like because we're going to tell some crazy stories but like if it was me i was kind of putting myself in in these soldiers place right these american soldiers is kind of the ones I was reading from, so it comes from their perspective, but I would I would just sit and think to myself, like, what has the enemy brought to us? Like, is this some kind of, you know, some kind of weird trick up their sleeves that they're throwing at us during a, you know, wartime scenario? Some unknown entities, like, you know, superhumans that they've created or like, you know, super soldiers, whatever, right? And like, and how all the thoughts would be racing through my mind in those situations. Uh, That's kind of where I put myself when I was reading some of these stories. Wow, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking this is just an unknown that pops up that both see and they're just, you know, both scared and... But yeah, that's amazing to think about because yeah, I mean, in times of war, you know, especially in the old days, they wouldn't say what they're going to do, you know, the newer stuff now, it's like, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And so there's like a lot of intel, you can find stuff online, you can find, you know, interviews of different countries saying what they're going to do. But back then it was like, you just never know, you know, like there could be some secret up their sleeve that they're hiding. And then it's just this mutated creature. You've seen most of you that listen to our um, podcast. Uh, you guys understand that there's things that go unseen in the backgrounds in governments, you know, where they, they have stuff, they have cover-ups, they have tests that they run, you know, when they're coming up with, you know, vaccines or different things, they always, they're doing things in the background that can maybe cause mutations, you know, and 
that's something they probably are working on. Super soldiers, we've heard a lot of stories about that, so you never know. Yeah, and one of my stories, which I'll probably go into it um, maybe after you cover some of yours, but uh, one of my stories that I'm bringing to the table today does come from World War II era. And again, the Nazis were, were doing some of that stuff. Like they were trying to create, you know, ape human hybrids and other kind of random stuff and that's pretty known to, to people nowadays you know i think they found you know military records about the stuff that they were actually trying to do this and and you know the nazi bell right we've talked about that before yeah. is like this nazi alien spacecraft or, or possible time machine that they were working on and yeah. they were just i think hitler was obsessed with trying to bridge the gap between what's natural and what's supernatural in, in an effort to try to win the world over, you know, take over the world, you know, and he needed, you know, supernatural forces to kind of help him with it because he was just one country, right? Yeah. But somehow he was able to overtake and convince other countries to join him, which is even crazier to me. I was going to say, I do find that weird that there was this one country that's kind of small and then they start gaining followers and it's like, it's like what, what everything though, it's everything in life, right? There's one extremist group and then all of a sudden there's tons of followers that start coming into it because of something they're dealing with or something in their mind but still it's like yeah i can totally understand why a leader of a smaller country that's dealing with all these big countries around him would say i'm gonna we need the supernatural in this too we need something different yeah i mean he was obsessed with like the occult and he was trying to figure out you know he's obsessed with all these stories about um like the egyptians and stuff and bringing in like these you know nephilim and stuff like that to try to breed with and and use as 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 soldiers on his side, you know, and stuff. So it's just kind of weird stuff, but it all kind of ties into even like the biblical stuff. And I'm sure that Hitler and the Nazis and stuff were reading even the old biblical stories just in order to try to make sense of it all. Cause it's kind of all in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to dive into some of these things. So I think we'll get started, but we're going to take a, just a small little break here as we get prepared to tell these stories. talking about world war ii right military there's lots of wars to go off of lots of things to go off of mine is regarding the vietnam war first which doesn't really give an exact date on this but um it's called rock apes versus nagoi rung um gary oh, i've heard about this before you have yeah so gary lindner was the guy's name he was one of six men on a patrol of the 101st airborne division's long-range reconnaissance patrol serving in Vietnam when he and the rest of the team observed a strange humanoid creature emerging from underneath the underbrush, standing about five feet tall with broad shoulders, which is pretty small if it's a yeah. big, right? It's, if it, whatever creature this is, but if it's a Bigfoot, it's kind of small for that, it sounds like. 
But it says standing about five feet tall with broad shoulders, prominent brow, and a hair-covered face. That's the reason I thought Bigfoot. Yeah. There was this argument about between all of them after they saw what they saw about what it was. Among all of them, they said it was maybe a rock ape, which I guess is a pretty common thing in that area, which is another version of Bigfoot, I guess. Which like I maybe heard. they've heard stories from the locals about like what they call rock apes and yeah. you should walk, watch out for them or something. Yeah, and I haven't really researched rock apes too much, but um, I should know this because we love Bigfoot. That's like our favorite subject. But um, it says that they thought, oh, maybe it's rock ape. You know, I, I guess one of the translators were hanging out with them and said that. Another strange creature commonly observed throughout the Vietnam War, which was also, it wasn't just them that observed rock apes during that war. But they said, I've seen rock apes and it sure as hell wasn't a rock ape. That's what one of the guys said. So Lindner said that it appeared to be an orangutan. So this is in his mind. He's saying, oh, it had to have been an orangutan. And the animal, the, the orangutan itself was last known or last native in Vietnam in the Pleistocene era, which was a while ago. So there's no way, you know, normally that it would be that. Which, again, they find animals all the time that weren't supposed to be in those areas. Well, and I will add really quick, just before you finish this story, but I will just add that we were just at the zoo today. We are at the Hogel Zoo, you know, which is our local zoo. And we were just looking at the orangutans, you know, and the gorillas and all that stuff. And, I mean, I think the orangutan, the least ones we saw, weren't even probably five feet standing on on two feet, you no. know. Uh, I think they are probably more like three and a half feet, maybe. Yeah. Like four feet. They weren't huge, you know, by any means. And, no. and five feet is still pretty short. Yeah, and so it says, however, locals maintain the existence of this species they call Nagoi Rung, which is the name of it, or forest people. Nagoi Rung reports from the armed forces on both sides of the conflict proved so prevalent during Vietnam that the North Vietnamese Party ordered a scientific study of the region while the war was still ongoing. Okay, so what's crazy to me, though, Rome? What do you think of this? Because rock apes are known to the native people, right? And then this Nagoi Rung, which is forest people, is also kind of known to people. Again, every culture seems to have this, right? But then the North Vietnamese people, like strategic people of war, said, let's start investigating this. And it was ongoing throughout the whole war. So that's crazy to me. Well, so when I think of Bigfoot stories, I keep thinking of majority of these stories happen around human like when humans encounter them it's because it seems like these creatures are really um what's curious it? curious yeah really curious about what we're up to and what we're doing and especially like in a war scenario they definitely would probably be really curious you know because maybe they're where they live and stuff is is at risk you know now that there's like bombs going off and all this kind of stuff so they're probably like showing their face a lot more prevalent as the war scenario is happening and maybe that's why like there was just maybe a lot more encounters starting to happen like we got to look into this well and they're in the heart of their like existence because most of that war was fought in the forest like the really deep parts of the forest that was like the original guerrilla warfare was that right that war yeah, I think that's that's what I'm coming to with this story. Is I think these are basically their version of Bigfoots out there. And if you think about it, where Vietnam is located, the climate of Vietnam, when you think of America, like you think of Florida, some of those like warmer, Georgia. closer to the equator kind of areas, the animals are smaller. All the animals. So you, you know, when you go the more north you go, you know, further away from the equator, the, rigid, the, the bigger the animals get. Bigger elevation, bigger everything. Yeah, right? and so, like, you look at Patty from Patterson-Gimlin, and she's a much bigger creature, right? And then, you know, all these stories that you get from, like, Alaska and Canada and even where we're from, Utah, Colorado, you know, um, California, they're always these bigger animals if it's the Bigfoot-type creatures, right? But then you hear these stories of, like, the Florida skunk ape, and they're always described a lot smaller. Like, they're closer to, the you know, the five, six-foot mark, um, sometimes seven feet, but, like, ours up here in the north, you know, 10 feet tall, 12 feet tall, so... yeah. Definitely different sizes, but I think they're one in the same when it comes kind of to like, like creature, an, right? Like an offshoot of of the human ape, whatever. You know, this really ruffles my feathers. This really jumbles my knickers. The fact that I'm in Utah, we just came back from LA, okay? Santa Barbara is so pretty, by the way. Right at the freaking zero elevation, 
and I was struggling to go up a hot spring hike. That was like a pretty easy one, supposed to be really easy. I was struggling and I would drink a lot the night before, I'll say that, but I'm like, how come I'm struggling so bad? So that's the first and foremost thing. I shouldn't have been struggling, right? It's zero elevation, but I'm over here in 3000, 4000 elevation. Why am I only 510? This is tough. If we're, <laughs> if we're supposed to be tall here and everything's supposed to be bigger here, what happened? Right. Who's, who's the culprit? <laughs> Actually have a pretty weird story too. This one comes from World War II era, according to this uh, Mysterious Universe article that I'm reading. And that's where I found the story is just mysteriousuniverse.org. If anybody's interested, that they've got some really awesome stuff on there, some great content. They have like a podcast too, which I haven't listened to, but they have um, just a lot of articles you can read through. And one of my favorite writers on this website is Brent Swanser. He does a lot of really good stuff. But anyway, so this comes from the World War II era, and people were seeing like these devilish-looking little beasts that they were calling gremlins, which is crazy like almost like gnome-like, you know, somewhat reptilian looking creatures. Okay, so this particular story comes from a man who was identified as LW and he was a Boeing B-17 pilot during the war. And so LW claimed that during one mission, his aircraft had sudden technical difficulties and that when he investigated, he came face to face with gremlins, which he said were about three feet tall, hairless, gray skin, long pointy ears and red eyes. He would say of what happened thus. So I am very aware of my surroundings. And as I go higher, I notice an unusual sound coming from the engine. The instruments went nuts. I look at my right and I see an entity staring at me. Then I look at the aircraft's nose, and there it is, another one, hanging in there, dancing lizards. I was perfectly fine. My senses were in good shape, but the weird thing, still, they were looking at me. They kept going at it, pounding the plane with all their might. They appeared to be laughing with their big mouths open, looking at me, hitting the plane with their long arms, trying to pull stuff. I have no doubt in my mind that they were trying to crash it. I managed to stabilize the flight, and I saw the critters falling off the aircraft. I don't know if they fell and died, or if they jumped from one plane to another one. I have no idea. Ew, that's so weird to me. Like, okay, first thing comes to mind real quick for me was the native cultures have these people called the little the little people, is right. what they call them. But they're like little gremlin. Sometimes they look gremlin-y, sometimes they look like little native people, you know? But they are mischievous, and they like to mess with cars. Like, if you have your car parked out in the tribes, you know, in yeah. the... In the res, sometimes you'll, they say you'll find them like messing with the wires and stuff and, you know, trying to shut off your battery and popping your tires and stuff like that. I didn't know this was flying when this happened. I was yeah. thinking this is on the ground. Like, yeah, no, he's up in the air. Holy crap. Where so the hell then I started thinking from? aliens maybe or something. Um, but then it said that they had gray skin, they were hairless, and they had these big ears, right? These long pointy ears. Mm -hmm. I really thought of, and people, you should look this up. I'll actually post on our Instagram page and our, just I guess on our, our page here as we post this episode. But the Hopkinsville Goblins. Oh, yeah. Hopkinsville from Kentucky. Yeah. Really looks just like what this is being described in my mind, you know, with the red eyes and the pointy ears and the gray skin. And those things came out and they were just attacking this family in Kentucky. And uh, then again, you know, the Hellier story too, the, the two-part 
Order that was made by Dana and yeah. Greg Newkirk. And they went, you know, looking for these kind of goblins that they were hearing stories of out in Kentucky, you know, because of this Hopkinsville story as well as a, a man that they had got an email from. But just makes me wonder, I'm like, what are these things? Are they some demonic entities? Are they aliens? Just weird. I kind of go towards like a demonic thing because it's like, why are they attacking people first and foremost? And right. why why is it that they're, how are you able to breathe up in the air that high? Mm-hmm. Like most people wouldn't be able to very well, you know? So I don't know. There's a lot of weird questions with that. Definitely creepy. Well, yeah. Um, and it's a super short story. And, and like, I wish I had more context to it. Like all we get is that he was flying and then all of a sudden his technical difficulties started and his, you know, all the radars and stuff were going nuts, all of his little yeah. meters and stuff. See, and, and that's weird that all of a sudden he looks over and that's weird too, right? Energy meters were going off, you know, that means like a evil, you know, like, you know how spirits, they'll take the energy, they'll suck up the energy in the room and stuff and shut batteries off. Well, yeah, anybody who has ever ghost hunted, done any paranormal investigations at all, all know that all of your equipment starts going crazy. Is that a side effect of paranormal entities coming in trying to steal, like, yeah. you know, the power or something? But also like demonic entities probably make that happen too, because they're all part of that supernatural side of things. You it's know? like they're foomfing into this dimension, foomfing back out, so it's taking all the energy and stuff. But then I think about like the, and this is just total sidebar, but I think about the um, the pyramids and how Tesla was like focusing so much on the electricity travel and how you can communicate from one pyramid to the other and one obelisk to the other. It's really interesting. He, I think he was onto something there. You know, Same. electricity I think sound, somehow like corresponds. Sound with, and electricity, I think, have a lot to do with a lot of things that we've somehow been hidden over the course of our life. It's funny you're just saying this, and just just a side note again. But me and my cousin were talking about the Bible and stuff, and there's a verse in there. I think it's Ecclesiastes where he says, "Nothing new is under the sun, um, under God." And so what's kind of crazy about that is like if you think about it, that's true, right? Which I I believe is true. But if that's true, that means that the technology we have right now, the vehicles, the planes, the phones, the smart tablet, all the stuff we use, right? All the stuff, the QR codes, where do those come from all of a sudden? But yeah, all these things that are happening, it's like nothing new is under the sun. So I almost wonder if like there was like a neuralized thing that happened. And back in the old days, there was way more technology than we've ever known. And I know there's kind of coming to that now. They're starting to say there really was stuff like that. Who knows? I'm excited to hear like what, what we uncover, you know, as time goes on or things like that. I think that there is a lot of lost knowledge that, that, you know, you hear the stories about, and this is just still part of that, but you hear the story of Atlantis and lost all that knowledge and stuff and kind of disbanded their culture and everything. Like after the flood, right? Everything right. sort of changed, you know? Yep. We kind of started from square one. Um, I will say that um, the more you investigate the paranormal, right? The supernatural stuff we're doing right now, the more you find that it all just keeps tying together. <laughs> That's why we, we go into these rants because it's like, oh yeah, that just popped in my head. I remember we were just talking about that, you know? Yeah. It's like, and then when you start talking about the Matrix, the same thing happens, you know? Yep. It's just weird. It's like, The world's a synchronicity. Oh yeah. Come on. So now I'm going to fast forward a little while to September of 1994. So kind of cool. You know, we were probably like six years old at this point, I guess, right? A former member of the U.S. Navy wished to be referred to as only as Emma, which I can get why. You know, at this point, you're talking crazy stories here. Emma wanted to talk about a bizarre experience that she had while she was stationed in Illinois at a naval hospital in the Great Lakes. I think the Great Lakes have some crazy stuff, too, by the way. I feel like yeah. it's always Michigan, Ohio, Great Lakes, Canada. There's just a lot of weird connections with that, too. Well, and we, um, you know, listen to the stories uh, that are passed down by the wise people from, like, the Native American cultures and stuff. They all talk about these, the Great Lakes and some of these other, like, national monuments is, like, these sacred areas. And a lot of times they have, like, these high levels of supernatural, paranormal type stuff going on. Yeah. And this is a good example of another one. So it was her and her future husband, John, and a mutual friend, Jim. They had been assigned to shore the patrol. Or two shore patrol rather all three were traipsing around in the base and radioing back and forth when sometime around 3 a.m john didn't respond to emma so emma was worried she walked to his latest stated location and found the young man standing and staring at the woods his mouth was agape following his gaze trying to see what he's looking at emma saw a tall figure with an odd head 
in parentheses, later upon seeing a cartoon representation of the Egyptian god Anubis, oh. the jackal-headed god of mummification and the afterlife, Emma claims, That was it! That's the creature that it resembled. It had this large head just like that, with green and yellow eyes and long arms. Upon approach of their third companion, the creature puffed up like a cat and Ooh. bound off into the night. But here's the thing. Wow. I research cryptids a lot, and that area is actually pretty riddled with, like, dogman stories. Yeah. Well, uh, Michigan, that's, like, the main dogman. Uh, what's her name? Um, sh- she passed away recently. Linda Godfrey. She mm-hmm. was studying, like, the, the Beast of Bray Road and stuff, which is in that area. And she wrote countless articles, books. You know, she was really um, well-written on this stuff and really well-researched. But there were so many encounters in that general vicinity of yeah. dogmen, you know. Something and they looked like, like a, Anubis, you know. That's the way they're always described. Oh, like, yeah. The, you know, the tall, straight-up ears, kind of like you get from a German Shepherd and stuff. And then, you know, a man-like body. Yeah. Buff man-like body with, you know, pec- pectoral muscles like we have. You know, abs, uh, arms like we have. You know, but they usually have claws and stuff on their hands, which is a little different than what we have. But, but long arms, like she said. Right. Green eyes, green or yellow. That was weird when you were reading that and you said that it was the god of mummification. And afterlife. And afterlife. I remember the afterlife part, but I didn't know it was related to the mummification process. That makes me wonder if they got that from whatever these things are, if the Egyptians started mummifying, because they're like the only ones that really did that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it seems like it came from somewhere else, not from this world. Yeah, and this dog or dogman stuff that's going around that area, and, and not even just in Ohio, Michigan, it's a, kind of a lot of places. But... Oh, it's everywhere. Just like Bigfoot, it's yeah. everywhere. Uh, there's some even in Utah that we've had stories like near the Utah Lake. It's always by lakes, though. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of weird? But, uh, you know, I just think that there's probably a connection... We'll find out in time. It's one of those things where you just don't know if this is really related, but I personally think, this is just my own opinion here, that it is related to the same thing that Anubis is. So it's probably like a similar family of some sort. Me too. And and we're just going down that path talking about that it was the god of like the afterlife and stuff. I mean, I know it was considered the one that would usher you into the afterlife. Like I was saying though, like, um, you know, the fact that these were associated with being like the um, ushers into the afterlife, similar to like the Grim Reaper stories, right, of other cultures. It just, it makes me, I don't know, it makes me wonder if these things really are connected to the afterlife, you know. That's why I'm still leaning towards the fact that, yeah, they have to eat food when they're encountered. People see them like, you know, leaving footprints behind, eating food, you know, ripping things apart, actually being physical, but then, you know, they're somehow connected to the spiritual side of things. That's what our podcast is all about, by the way. That's why we do this kind of stuff, because there is a physical world, there's a supernatural world, and then there's like this weird mesh in between that kind of happens a lot where there's this intertwining that happens you know i see it like the color spectrum like you know how when you learn it in school there's like the primary the tertiary the secondary and they you know how they all mesh together yeah with little circles and then like whatever is in the middle there is kind of like what the real world's like yeah it's not this it's not this it's not black and white there's definitely some weird bleeding in through it's funny you say like afterlife and all this stuff like ushering in there's a lot of stories about dogman how they have to like they dive into these holes like there was this one that we recently listened to they went into these holes yeah and like underground kind of thing you know yeah and there's a lot of talk about them being underground so i don't know maybe it's like but that's not that's not the first cryptid or um weird creature we've heard about that that goes underground right that that lives supposedly in these caverns that are below us and so it's like we just talked about earlier and reptilians are talked about like that hellier again we brought this up twice now you know they live in these caves and it's like i don't know maybe there's a bigger world underneath us that that is somehow connected to the other side and what is that all about anyway it's just Um, really weird imagine this for a moment you're walking down the sidewalk as you're walking down the sidewalk a whole world is below you that you never knew we're gonna take a quick break who said it
have a, a story that actually comes from Vietnam. It was 1970. It was a witness who claims to have been a U.S. Army corporal during the war. He claimed that in 1970 he was second in command of a squad of soldiers operating in a thickly jungle remote area just south of the demilitarized zone. So this witness claims that he had set up a bivouac in an area of steep hills and had then set out on a night patrol of the surrounding vicinity. They encountered what they took to be enemy activity and hunkered down to wait it out, during which time they got only fleeting glimpses of something moving through the brush. When the activity died down, they continued through the valley they were in until they hit a sheer wall of stone that oddly looked as if someone had stacked enormous boulders in front of it. A cave entrance was also visible, which looked to have been cleanly carved into solid rock. It was very unlike anything they had known of from enemy caves, and they decided to get closer to investigate. As they approached, a putrid smell like rotting eggs and human decay. Here we go again. It's always a sulfur and brimstone kind of smell, right? Began to pervade the area, which seemed to be bellowing out of the cave opening. So bad was the stench that several squad members reportedly fell ill, vomiting in the bushes. They took up positions in the jungle near the entrance and waited as they discerned strange rumbling sounds from below. As dawn began to come, something very strange happened indeed, of which the witness says. Just then, we noticed movement in front of the cave. A being, I first thought was a man, moved through the entrance into the clearing in front of the cave. As it stood up from a crouch, it stood at least seven feet tall and started to look in our direction. At that time, another similar-looking creature was moving out of the cave. They were making hellish hissing sounds and looking directly at us. Ew. The only way I can describe these beings is that they looked like upright lizards. The scaly, shiny skin was very dark, almost black, snake-like faces with forward-setting eyes that were very, very large. They had arms and legs like human, but with scaly skin. I didn't notice a tail, though they wore long, one-piece dark green robes along with a dark cap-like covering on their heads. I never noticed if they had anything on their feet. No one gave the order. It seemed like the entire squad opened fire at once. Every piece of vegetation between us and them was quickly sheared away. I yelled out, cease fire, order. Man, that's scary. Like, one of the biggest things I always talk about that just is freaking me out all the time is hiss i always hiss when i'm like thinking about a story of like a karen or something that's like losing her mind it's like a <laughs> when someone's like irate yeah you know, when like they're super off. irate <laughs> it's a hiss you know yeah. that's the worst thing you can do to somebody and then i mean this is uh, they had caps and robes this is this is reptilian just speaking reptilian to me all the way yeah i mean it sounds like a story i heard one time in the havasupai area of arizona when and i forget what podcast this was on but somebody had been in the, blurry creatures maybe yeah somebody had been in those deserts and there was a rock wall and they were able to walk right through it the person that was there just walked right through the rock wall so basically it looked like a rock wall this was in the arizona area and somebody had just like went to put their hands on it and they went right through it like it was just a Mirage. like an illusion right yeah and then they went through these caverns for like a long period of time where they started encountering these reptilian beings that were wearing clothes like that like robes and and i think yeah. I, I forget how the story got out i think they escaped they got out of there but they had like guns and other weird technology down there that so sounds makes like you wonder scientology experience when you went to la yeah let's not get started on that you couldn't get out of there no You're we so lucky i did. will say this for anybody i respect everybody's beliefs if they're a scientologist that's okay but i will say i went through some crazy stuff with my wife we went to the scientology center in la and hollywood and um yeah they they wouldn't let us out they made it they forced us to pretty much pay for dianetics courses and then we did that for a little bit and we couldn't find our way out we're like we got to get out of here you know we only had limited time to view this place and it was kind of a miracle so this it kind of fits for this podcast um as we were kind of in pure panic mode we were there for several hours and we couldn't find our way out and there was literally no doors out it was of the hollywood scientology building right yep and eventually this kid like i i literally think he was probably some kind of angel this little kid that was like a 10 year old eight year old little kid all of a sudden was in the hallways we walked we were trying to escape and 
it's like he knew what we were thinking. He's like, you're trying to find the elevator? We're like, yeah, we're trying to find the elevator. And he's like, it's right here. And, he, and literally, it was a hidden door. Like, it looked like Same the wall thing. panels. The wall that's hidden. And he pushed, he found this hidden button, and the door opened up, and it was the elevator, and we went down. And it literally was just, it was really scary. Totally different story. We'll have to cover that on a different <laughs> episode. But still, it's pretty cool. But, it reminded me of what you're saying. So the story continues. I yelled out, cease fire order. At the same time, I was looking in the direction of the cave. There was nothing there. We immediately checked our flank in case these things circled around us, but there was nothing. As we approached the cave, ready to resume action if needed, it began to be apparent that these beings had escaped, most likely back into the cave. It was soon decided to set charges and close the cave entrance. When we returned to the camp, we all seemed to be in a daze. There was a little bit of discussion of the incident, and then we were never debriefed. So I know that the sergeant never actually filed a report. Then again... If he did, it was kept quiet by the brass. So I get maybe that's the bosses or whatever. So it's just weird. And military people, this is what's crazy, is military people have probably had these encounters and they just don't say it because they don't want to be ridiculed, harassed, whatever. And well, think about civilians it won't understand either, you know? Yeah, think about it too. Like if you get this out and you're like the person of power, right? You're supposed to be this person of mm-hmm. sheer power and control and something that you can't control or, or over finesse is bewildering you you're not gonna why would you say that to like the general public so i get why they keep it quiet but it's crazy to think about how much they're keeping quiet and how much danger we really have around us that you may not know it reminds me of the um you know the the kandahar giant you know that's one of the most probably the most famous stories that comes from the military of weird encounters with weird beings right and for those that don't know you should look up the story and i think we'll probably cover it at one point on our show maybe we can at that point get la marzulli on or something to actually talk to us about it because he's you know he's very knowledgeable about that story and has actually conversed with i think the people that were involved and stuff but that's the one in afghanistan in like 2008 or 2009 somewhere in that range and you know these military u.s military forces um came upon a red-headed giant you know with a big beard red hair came out of a cave too very david and goliath style you know this thing came out and was very aggressive and i think there was three or four military guys maybe five and they were all just opening fire and stuff and they eventually took one down you know mm-hmm. but these i think the giant had just a spear or yeah something he had on just it. a spear and he like literally pulled he one impaled of the one of the guys, guys up with his spear yeah he killed one of and the military guys and then they started opening fire and pretty much shot him to pieces and stuff. But like, so can you imagine though being the? I just thought of this. Can you imagine being the family member of the guy who was impaled? Yeah. And they probably you, told a fake story about what happened to him. It's a fake story. They're not going to tell you know? him what it was. Yeah. How scary is that? It's like, oh yeah, he got bit by a poisonous snake and we couldn't rush him to the hospital in time and right. something like that. Watch. But it's crazy because recently, and you guys should all listen to Blurry Creatures. They're an awesome podcast, and they had a guy on that was a military guy that told another recent story of when he was in the military in Afghanistan, similar area too. Oh, yeah. And he had seen on a, kind of like a night vision slash, what's it, like a FLIR type device that he was wearing on his on his head. He had seen across the way, like I think 400 yards away or something, what what appeared to be a giant as well. And he had details where he could tell it had red hair, you know, it had a beard. It was because very tech, similar to the, the Kandahar. Because the they had is so good that yeah. you could literally see something from like 400 miles, you know. 400 yards away yeah he said it was like a big heat signature that he could see kind of describe what it was and he said it was like knelt down and then all of a sudden it stood, stood up, up and it was and like it was 15 like, feet tall. no it was 18, 18 feet. feet he said that the trees next to it were about 16 feet and they knew that because they'd been in the area for long enough and they knew the the terrain really well and when this thing stood up it was like two inches taller than those trees you know and then it got and, up and walked away right 
Yeah, and he said it was just weird because it was very human-like, but lanky, skinny, um, almost kind of prehistoric-looking with like the beard and long hair and kind of the. He described it as Robin Williams from um, Jumanji. You know, yeah. when, he, when he comes back with the big beard and long hair, from the jungle, and it's yeah, all hairy looking exactly. and stuff. But you know, it's just I don't know. The, there's something about that area. I mean, I think a lot of people don't know about Afghanistan that it's actually this very mountainous, rugged terrain in certain parts of it, and those parts of it, people don't really go except for a few like sheep farmers. You know, and it's very, very remote, and there's almost no population there. So I mean, things like this could probably survive, especially like if a there's jungle. a cave system. You know, yeah, some of it is like pretty green and jungly and huge mountains and stuff like we looked it up when we were driving back from california and we were listening to the podcast and i'm like let's look this up i looked up the area of the the zone that they were talking about um the district i guess rather of, right um afghanistan and it was literally just massive beautiful mountains green jungle just kind of vibe and it yeah. reminded me of like brazil or something you know but oh, it wow. is it is one of those places where i mean it is such a hard place to navigate i mean the the, the ground below you is just shale rock you know and it just slides underneath your feet cuts your feet up if you don't have shoes on it's really really hard to navigate and to go fast through it and stuff but this creature in that story literally moved out of sight broke i don't know how how many what the distance was but it went so fast and got out of sight really quickly um but the other weird part was that it actually saw him from a distance so it like looked his direction you know he was like 400 meters away and he actually looked his direction can you imagine though that you go into the military right and you get briefed on all these things with the enemy and what they have and and you know what to expect right because they're gonna have to brief the military on what to expect because they're going into enemy lines but they don't brief you on these things right and then with that story we were just talking about with the uh the giant that was seen across the way um in afghanistan right after that happened they had these um these special forces guys show up and they were really vague about what they were doing there and they didn't really explain what their mission was and they were kind of in and out and it just made this one military officer wonder hey do you think that maybe these guys were you know, hunting this thing down or, or trying to usher it away from our, our, you know, general area, you know, to, to kind of keep us from it. Cause those, you know, I think there's a lot of secrecy within our military. Those special forces guys don't answer to anybody else either. No. They literally just go do that job. That's what's so bad a about them though. I will say mm-hmm. like the green berets, the army rangers, the Navy seals, like all those guys, mm-hmm. they come through and they just get it done and they don't tell other military guys what they're doing. Like you saying, he didn't know what they were doing, but I guarantee they were going in there because they're cleaning up that danger. Like there's, they're not going to let those military guys get in danger of the job they're supposed to get done. Right. So they probably came through just like the giant of Kandahar thing with those other, those guys were special forces too, I bet. Yeah. You know, and then they had to deal with that. So it's cool, the parallels, and this is a more recent story. And so it's, there's definitely something going on over there. I will say the giant how it just looked over at him from like 400 yards away in the dark. It's like they have these special abilities, right? Yeah, there's something going on there too, like supernatural. And I always go back to David and Goliath, like you're saying, like that's crazy. Can you imagine if, you know, David literally wrecked this massive giant with like a that, slingshot with a slingshot with and then he wrecked rock. his two brothers yeah. after yeah. that were also huge giants? You know, that's insane. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, there had to have been some divine power that helped him out with that because, you know, these things are they could probably lift like a semi truck, you know, that they're, they're so powerful. And then, yeah. of course, they have these special abilities, too, because they're I think they're part Nephilim, obviously, according to the, the, the biblical stories and stuff. And Nephilim is a fallen angel. Right. So it's like or it's part of a fallen angel. And so they have these special supernatural powers that kind of come with it. And that's why it's sort of an abomination. And, you know, obviously, if you're a Bible believer, you kind of know all those what happened after that, the flood and everything. But there's a there's a chance some of these things survived right yeah and that's maybe why they're still out there and especially in these remote parts these high elevation afghanistan nobody's you know, going there 
yeah. there's cave systems that could have maybe not have been affected by it. So it yeah. just makes you wonder. It's stories like these that are modern that give you a little context into like those old stories. Because, you know, we're yeah. so used to grow up, you hear David and Goliath, you think it's like a little cartoon. It's like this hunky-dory little kid throwing a rocket, a little a giant that's maybe like, what, eight feet tall or something. Like right. Rudy Gobert height. But now you're now we're talking 15 to 18 feet. Jeez. You know? Can't and imagine. this thing's a monster. It's not even like it's superhuman, you know? And this other, this kid. So that, that gave me some context and it's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, listeners, if you if you have a basketball hoop near you, let's say you have one in your yard or something like that, or you're at a park, do do us a favor. Next time you're there, the the actual um, height of a basketball hoop is ten feet. So look at it for a minute and to think rim, yeah. think about that for just a minute, and then add you know eight more feet above that if it's or you know if it's an eight eighteen foot or whatever. I mean, it's massive. It's way bigger than you can kind of picture. You know, just in your mind until you actually put it into context and look yeah. at it in person. So, but yeah, no. So um, we just covered a few stories. Obviously, there's a lot more, and if you have been in the military, uh, whether it's the American military or if it's, you know, another country, let's say you're in the UK and you're one of the listeners and you've been one of the military uh, personnel there and you've had an experience like this with some weird creature, cryptid, demonic entity, something like that, uh, we'd love to hear from you. I, I think there's a lot more stories out there. We're reading some stuff on Reddit and there's other sources too, but um, these are some of the ones that we picked because we thought these stories were pretty good. But um, yeah, if you have other ones, we want to hear them. So just contact us on Instagram, send us a, an email at supernaturalstation5 at gmail.com and we'll respond to you and we'll definitely cover it on the show yeah it's a it's a fun topic i mean this is I, I hope everything we try to put out is fun for you guys but i just think when you hear these types of stories when there's a little more credibility i think it's kind of fun to be able to put the pieces together like hey it's not just a crazy neighbor named you know phil that's freaking out with his antennas all over his house and it's not those guys all the time it's right you know somebody that's like a general leading a bunch of people and he's gonna look crazy if he says something because that's what society makes you feel well but, i mean that that reminds me of the whitehall new york uh, bigfoot story you know um, that was the the cop that had seen this Bigfoot and, and finally told his story after he was retired and yeah. stuff. But it's one of those ones that most people know about because it's one of the most famous ones because of his credibility because he served his whole career as a police officer and actually was just a, a great man who, you know, went through that job, which you have to, you, when you're an officer or you're military, everything is so by the book and, and you have to write reports, right? Incident reports mm-hmm. after incident reports and everything has to be done to the T the right way, you know? And so... I think that's why the skeptics like these stories. And that's why I like them too, because it bridges that gap. Like we kind of open the show with. So yeah, thank you guys for listening to this. I mean, it's it's a fun one. And uh, we got some more more to come, more awesome episodes coming your way soon. We're excited. Uh, we just love doing what we do here. It's like, look, it's a weekend and we're not doing anything else but doing a podcast. You know, we just love doing this. And I hope you guys ride with us on the Supernatural train and enjoy the Supernatural station as much as we enjoy doing it for you. And like I said, just get us some information. If you have some awesome stories that you want to tell us, we want to hear it. True or just from a friend of a friend, we still want to hear them. You know, if it's something that you heard from a friend and it you believe it's credible because of that great you know we we're the type that will believe you know it's it's the innocent until proven guilty no but we'll believe until you know we know for sure and and yeah we're not gonna we're gonna give you the benefit basically of the doubt yeah i've seen some things i can't explain you know and the world is crazier than people think it is so yep that's how we stand well and that's that's part of the reason we do the show is we hope that we help you understand that i mean we don't we're not all knowing by any means we we know almost nothing right about almost anything but we're we're curious and and we hope that you listeners because you're listening you probably are too you know and so definitely um yeah like he said if, it, if it's not your story but the person that actually encountered it doesn't want to tell it because they're for whatever reason they might have their own reasons and they've given you permission to tell it to us then there you go we'll we'll take it you know we believe it because who are we to say that it's not real that it didn't happen to them you know yep. but yeah thank you guys so much for listening thank you guys for paying attention for being there and sharing the show for us have a marvelous night
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.